course. It's not. Turn, turn your psalm to 319. I wonder if it's what we desire more than anything. It's amazing how easily our hearts are swayed with the things of this world. The pressures, the cares. Turn your Bible. We're going to look at several passages before we get into the message tonight. Turn to Matthew chapter 20 and verse 1. Can I put this on, Brother Wayne? Thank you. Matthew chapter 20 and verse 1. I just want to look at the first phrase so we understand the context of another verse we're going to read at the end of this passage, which is verse 16. The beginning of this passage, Matthew 20, verse 1 says, For the kingdom of heaven is as, is like, sorry. For the kingdom of heaven is like. Look at verse 16. So the last shall be first, and the first last for many be called, but few chosen. Turn over a page or two to Matthew chapter 22 and verse 2. For the kingdom of heaven is like unto. And then he tells a story and look at verse 14. For many are called but few are chosen. Now I want you to turn over to Mark chapter 3. Mark chapter 3. And I want us to read verse 9. And then we'll skip down a little bit. Verse 9 says, And he spake to his disciples that a small ship should wait on him because of the multitude, lest they should throng him. Look at verse 13. And he goeth up into a mountain and calleth unto him whom he would, and they came unto him. And he ordained twelve that they should be with him, and that he might send them forth to preach, and to have power to heal sickness, and to cast out devils. Now turn over to Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6 and verse 12 says, And it came to pass in those days that he went out into a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called... Uh, I didn't actually have it in there. That's possible. Somebody give me the next word. And he called unto him his disciples, and of them he chose twelve whom he named apostles. I want to preach to you tonight a mess, this message, the multitudes, the many, and the minority. The multitudes, the many, and the, or the minority. Or we could say many are called, but few are chosen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, as we sang, 
we are weak. Father, truthfully, even if we think we are strong, the reality is, is that we are weak. Father, usually our opinion of whether we are strong or weak varies on our circumstances and surroundings in this life. But Father, we know that truly when it's concerning the kingdom of heaven, we are weak. And Father, I ask tonight that your spirit would open the ears of those who have ears to hear. I understand, Father, that this message is not for everyone. But, Father, I know that there is someone for whom this message is for. I pray, Father, in the manner in which you gave me the truth, that you'd allow me to give it to others. I pray that it would make us free, free from self and sin and Satan to serve our Savior. For he alone is worthy. In the name of Jesus, I bind Satan and his forces from our hearts and our minds. Satan, I bind the spirit of pride and the spirit of fear. Father, once again, lead us and guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus, in Mark, <coughs> Mark chapter 3, was being followed by a multitude. The Bible tells us that they were following him because they had heard what great things he had done. Verse 8. They had heard what great things he had done. So Jesus, as he's in his earthly ministry and God is using him and enabling him, and in fact the Spirit of God is anointed upon him, Many people are hearing the great things. And because of that, this multitude gathers around. But verse 13 tells us that from that multitude, Jesus separated himself to a mountain to pray. I want to draw out several things from that. I want to first say this, that if Jesus needed time from the multitudes to stand face to face with the Father then you and I, who are weak in flesh and weak in spirit, need time away from the multitudes, before, uh, from the multitudes and time with the Father. I also want to say that the mountain is above where the multitudes want to go. The multitudes followed him everywhere, no matter what he did to get away, including getting in a boat in some of the passage of Scripture. They would run around or somehow get to the other side and they would find Jesus. But it seemed like that when Jesus went to the multitudes, that's where, went to the mountains, that's where the multitudes let him go. I think there's a picture in that, in that where Jesus is high and holy, the multitudes of people in this earth are only willing to go so high to follow Jesus to a high and lifted up righteous place. 
You see, on the mountains, there is no great things being accomplished in the eyes of the natural man. And I'm saying the eyes of the natural man, for we know that it was in the mountain all throughout the Bible and also with Jesus that great things were being accomplished. But in the eyes of natural man, the great things, the wonders, the eye catchers, the drawer of the crowd pleasers, those things don't happen on the mountain. In the eyes of natural man, it's a waste of good time. In the eyes of natural man, it's not a wise steward of the time that God gives. In the eyes of the natural man, it's laziness to want to resort there often. In the eyes of the natural man, it is not what the multitudes want. But that is where Jesus went. And as Jesus goes up to, the up to the mountains, the multitudes fall down, and we see our first step, we go from the multitudes to many. Jesus calls his disciples, and it was not just 12 at that point. These two passages show us that Jesus had multitude, a, a, or I'm sorry, a many disciples come up unto him. Out of the multitude of people, there were many people that were willing to follow him up to the mountain when he called unto them. And it is the same in our society today, in any country, in any place. Out of the multitudes, Jesus is calling and saying, follow me. And many key on the promises he will give to his followers, but they don't want to follow him to the mountains because in the mountains there's no great things done. But he calls up his disciples to the mountain to come out of the multitude. And I'm saying tonight as a way of introduction that if we are to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, we won't be a disciple if we are part of the multitude. If our heart's desire and how we work is that we have to be a part of the in crowd, discipleship will be a hard cross to bear. He calls to the disciples and he says, come out of the multitude and come up a little higher. Discipleship is about coming up out of the multitude and coming up to a higher place to be where Jesus is, not worried what the multitude thinks and not worried whether they think it's good or cool or, 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 or hip or whatever the popular word is right now. But whatever the multitude is, wherever the multitude is, Jesus says, hey, I want you to come up a little higher towards me and I have a calling for you. And there will be many that will be called out of the multitude. Jesus calls, I'm saying to you tonight, that Jesus calls many out of the multitudes to be his disciples. And he chooses some 
of his disciples to be missionaries. The Bible word we see in the New Testament is apostle. It is my opinion that that is the New Testament, or that is the modern missionary. I want us to find out tonight what God expects of His disciples. More than He expects from the multitudes. It's a unbiblical, scriptural position to think that God doesn't expect more of some than others. While eternally my home is settled in heaven no matter what I do on this earth, there's clearly an expectation that God has for his disciples that is up and above the multitudes. And from those many that are willing to be discipled, God will choose and call I'm sorry, God will choose of those called some to be missionaries. I want to say to you tonight that, first of all, point number one, many are called to be his disciples. But I think in saying that, I think we need to understand what Jesus requires of his disciples. I think there's a, all, another error in the multitudes today that of many people that would say, I am a disciple of Jesus Christ. But I want all of us tonight, irrespective of, and apart from each other, but our own personal selves, to listen to what God says is for His disciples and let the Holy Spirit of God tell us, are we in the process of becoming a disciple of Jesus Christ? I want you to turn to Luke chapter 14 and verse 25. Luke chapter 14 and verse 25 says, And there went great multitudes with him. All right, here we have the multitude again. And Jesus is about to clear out some of the multitudes by what he says. And there went a great multitude with him, and he turned and said unto them, If any man come to me, if you want to be my disciple, he's going to say that in a minute. If any man come to me, and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters. Yea, and his own self also, he cannot be my disciple. Of course, the context of that scripture can be found within scripture itself. And if let's turn to that context in Genesis chapter 29 and verse 30. Genesis chapter 29 
and verse 30. And he went in also unto Rachel, and he loved also Rachel more than Leah, and served with him yet seven other years. And when the Lord saw that Leah was hated, he opened her womb, but Rachel was barren. So, in one verse it says that uh, Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah, and the next verse says, in God's eyes, because Jacob loved Rachel more than Leah, Leah was hated. With that context, it's easy for us to understand what Jesus was saying. He was saying that our love for God must be more than our love for our family if we want to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And so the first prerequisite to be a disciple, because he says, if it's not true, you can't be a disciple. So if we are going to be called out of the multitudes to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, the one first prerequisite is we must love Jesus more than family. Number two, it, we must love Jesus more than our own life. This part is very seldom keyed upon. Verse 26, and hate not his own life also. He cannot be my disciple. That means the love with which I have for Jesus Christ and the desires I have for my own life have to be drastically different. Enough to where God says in his eyes, I hate my own life. That means that a disciple of Christ must be willing with his own life to do whatever Jesus asks. There can be no boundaries put on a disciple of Jesus Christ. There can no, be no... Uh, um, clauses in the life of a disciple of Jesus Christ. It cannot be, I am willing to do everything but this. I am willing to go anywhere but this. It has to be God, wherever you send. My own life is of no importance if it's the master's call that calls me. I have to hurry. We also find that the, that the disciple, in verse, in verse 27, we won't read it, you can look at it that now or later, but verse 27, we find out that the, the, the disciple, is, it's a requirement that a disciple must bear his cross. You say, what's his cross? I don't know. God put it in very a personal term. He didn't say a cross or the cross. He said his cross. And I assume that means that every disciple of Jesus Christ has a cross that only he must bear. And must Jesus bear the cross alone and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. I have my own cross that I must bear. You know what that is. I don't know. Maybe you don't know what the cross is. Maybe tonight you come down to the altar and say, God, I want to be a disciple of, of Jesus Christ. I don't want to be a part of the multitudes. I want to be called out. What is the cross? What is my cross that you have for me? 
I know the cross that Christ has chosen for me. I know the times I spent talking to him, asking him to change the cross, but I know the cross is there. If we want to be disciple of Christ, we have to be willing, verse 33, to forsake all that we have. To forsake all that we have. To be willing to turn away. To be willing to relinquish. Yes, many times the Bible it gives us the, the, the principle that if we give, it will be given back. But the, but the, but the prerequisite as a disciple is not God, I will give it if you give it back. But God, I will give it even if you don't give it back. It's yours. And for us to withhold anything from the Master would mean we can no longer be a disciple. I think of the one young man that wanted to serve Jesus, and Jesus said, okay, here's what I have for your life. Here's your cross. Here's what I want you to give me. Here's what I want you to do. And he walked away sad because he could not do and become a disciple. Another prerequisite for being a disciple is in John 8, 31. We won't turn there, but it's to continue in his word. Jesus said his disciples would continue in his word. What does it mean to continue in the word of God? Does that mean I just can't stop reading or I have to keep going forward? What does it mean to continue in his word? Matthew chapter 13 verse 20 says this, But he that received the seed in stony places, the same as he that heareth the word, and anon with joy receiveth it. Yet he hath no root in himself, but doeth for a while. But when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, by and by he is offended when we know the word and we get in the word and the word comes to us and it says okay disciple here's your cross okay disciple here's what you must leave behind do we continue in the word or do we do it do we decide that part is not for me a disciple must also bear much fruit. John 15 verse 8 says, so shall you be my disciples indeed if you bear much fruit. I understand that in the context and I think it's much misunderstood and I think we often try to squeeze fruit out of trees that are not ready to bear fruit and the Bible is very clear that, that uh, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly nor standeth away the sinners nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful but his delight is in the law of God and in his law doth he meditate day and night and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. I think often we are not patient for the season of the fruit to come, and Jesus understands that. But if you're a disciple, there will be a process of bearing fruit, and somebody that has no fruit is not a disciple of Jesus Christ. Many are called to be disciples. Number two, the minority or the few are chosen to be apostles. In this passage of scripture that we read, we find out that Jesus pulled out all the, pulled out the disciples and he called them unto me, unto them. And then as he called the disciples unto them and he said, "Come unto me." And as they came to him, he chose. Mark says ordained, 
Luke says chose. I believe it's not a discrepancy. I believe there are particular reasons why God said it in two different ways. He chose them, and in choosing them, he ordained them to go and do what he asked them to do. But he chose them. And the Bible says he, Jesus, called them apostles. These are not the only apostles we find in the Bible. There are 12. Uh, there, was a, and, and there was another time in Acts where, they, where the, the 11 that were left after Judas uh, denied Christ, they, they, they uh, had a, a uh, get-together and decided that they needed to choose a 12. And so they chose a 12. My personal opinion is that Jesus chose the 12 when he came to Paul on the road to Damascus, that he chose the 12th apostle. But after that, the Bible refers to uh, uh, Barnabas and uh, Silvanus and others as a apostles but at this time and this place he chose these 12 and here is what he chose them for let's read it mark chapter 3 and verse 14 and he ordained 12 that they should be with him the first thing that God will ask of the few. And I don't know why I'm preaching this message tonight. I'm not exactly sure, except for I believe God wants to call some more people. I believe out of that calling, He wants to choose a few more people. But the first prerequisite when you're chosen is to be with Him. It's another step away from the multitude to that place where nothing is accomplished. It's another step away from the multitudes and yet again away from the rest of the disciples to where God begins to choose you for specific purposes and for specific plans and He wants to do something through you. But first, He's got to get out of the disciples the mentality of the multitudes and then He's got to get out of the apostles the mentality of the disciples and He's got to get them and remake them and remold them. So He says, I'm choosing you to come be with me. I believe we make a mistake and I have made it until God, I have made it all my life and I feel like God revealed this to me the other night, but I believe we make a mistake when we say I'm called to the mission field. No, I was chosen for the mission field. We're called to be disciples. We're chosen to go for him. first and main priority of an apostle was to be with Jesus Christ. I challenge you, if you feel any inkling in your life that God would choose you to go to a foreign land, your priority must become Man will not understand it. Man will so often ridicule it. Man will sometimes mock it. But it's your priority. 
How could Paul follow God's direction from one place to another place to another place to another place without being called and chosen to be with him to know what God had on his heart? The minority are chosen to be with Christ and then the minority are sent to preach. The minority is sent to preach the gospel in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. The minority are sent to preach deliverance to the captives in Mark chapter 4 and verse 18. The minority are, are, are chosen to preach the recovering of sight to the blind. Not the literal blind, but the spiritually blind. To help them recover sight. How do they help them recover sight? Because they've been with the master on the mountaintop. And the master teaches them and shows them his truth. And he delivers the truth. And then they can help the masses, to, the sight to come back to the masses. The minority are chosen to heal sicknesses. I know that when we say that in a typical Baptist church in today's in our society, where the Holy Spirit is a power of Holy Spirit, a power of the Holy Spirit is gone, and we are dead in formality. We're dead because we're trying to do so much we can't spend time with Him. I understand that that phrase sounds a little Pentecostal, but I believe God is the same yesterday and today and forever, and the same God that chose the apostles to heal back then can choose to have healing by the apostles today. I don't believe it's like the, the, the faith healing stuff where I can just choose to heal somebody. I believe that's God's choice. And I believe Paul healed some people and other people he couldn't heal. He couldn't heal himself. He couldn't heal Timothy. He couldn't heal others. But there were many that were healed by Paul. I think it's different than we often perceive it. You see the multitudes, they want the big show. They want, the, they want the, 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 the things that are being accomplished. And that's not how God does it. God often does it in an obscure corner, in a dark continent, where nobody else will see. But God says, I've chosen you. God chose them to cast out devils. I think as a 28-year-old man, in a Jaffa on Lake Bosumchi, I had started a village church. I came in one Tuesday evening to hold Bible study. And as I drove into the village, my church people began, and the townspeople began running to me. Saying, Pastor, we need help. Pastor, we need help. Pastor, we need help. And I said, what's wrong? What's the matter? And they said, this, this maniac over here, he's, he's threatening his family. He's thrown all the stuff out of the house. He's threatening to hurt his mother. And, and he's done all these crazy things. And we don't know what to do. Pastor, can you help us? I remember the instant fear that shook my insides that night. I remember thinking, what am I going to do against this maniac? I'm glad you're so confident in Pastor Mike, but I'm not so confident in Pastor Mike. 
I grabbed the translator and we began to walk over there. I'm sure inside, maybe outside also, my knees were shaking. My insides were hot. They were weak. They felt like water. And I walked up to this guy who was a big old boy that had been lifting weights. And he, and he, was, he was a lot bigger than me. And I walked up to there and he had put out some all kinds of crazy weird symbols and signs all over the yard. He had thrown the stuff out of the house. And he was shouting and he was screaming. And I said, God, what do I do? I walked up to him began saying as I walked up, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The guy stopped and he looked at me and I walked up with him and through the translator I began preaching to him the gospel of Jesus Christ. Within a few minutes we were down on our knees in the circle of a satanic symbol and we were down on our knees and that man was trusting in Jesus Christ as his savior. And my friend, the devils were cast out that night. The next Sunday, he was sitting in our pew, sane and in his right mind. Not because Pastor Mike walked up and smote him on the head and said, be cast out. But because God chose me and sent me, and God did what he's supposed to do. Apostles were chosen and commanded in Matthew chapter 28, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. They had been tested. They had been tried in Judea and Samaria, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. And now they were going to the uttermost. All of that to come to this conclusion tonight. Are we a part of the multitude? Or have we been called to be a disciple. If we have been called to be a disciple, do we have the marks of the cross to prove we are his disciple? If we have been called to be his disciple and the marks of the cross are there to prove that we are his disciples, has God chosen you to be an apostle? Has God chosen you to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature? I know there are many called, but few are chosen. But I know where there's many disciples, there's God's chosen ones. And I believe from this church, the chosen can go to the world with the power that was given to Jesus Christ when he said, go into all the world. All power is given unto me. believe God has a message for America. The days of America are shortening. We have multitudes of Christians. We have many disciples. And one last time, God is saying, I'm choosing you to go and tell. 
What is God saying to you tonight? Let's all stand with our heads bowed and eyes closed.